0: Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of ANC's Matters of Fact. Okay, so for today's podcast, we're joined by one of the best in the business. We're talking about, of course, urban planning and architecture, not just here in the Philippines, but also in many cities around the world. Thank you very much for joining us on this podcast, architect and urban planner, Filino Jun Palafox Jr., sir.
1: Yeah, thank you, Christian, for having me here and for the opportunity to share with your listeners
0: Okay. Over the past few weeks, uh, we've been hearing stories or complaints about how bad the situation is in Metro Manila in terms of traffic. Of course, we've been hearing uh, politicians say that, of course, that is a sign of progress. But from your perspective, how did we come to this situation where we have so much uh, problem when it comes to traffic and it seems that there's no way out of this mess?
1: There have been planning initi- initiatives in the past in fact I was uh, team leader and senior planner for the wellbank funded Metro Manila transport land use development P- planning project and uh, we address uh, urban development, transportation, land use and I- including housing utilities and uh, what are the public services and utilities in a metropolitan area in a city and we said that time that our Metro plan team, With a do-nothing scenario, we would have catastrophic traffic, flooding, lack of decent housing, garbage crisis, water supply uh, crisis, power supply, uh, and not prepared for disasters. We said that in 1976.
0: So that was under a do-nothing scenario? Do-nothing scenario. But did the governments that came after actually do something or anything?
1: Yeah, there were planning initiatives in the past. We could start with... uh, the Daniel Burnham Plan 1905, uh, Plan Metro Manila, uh, Greater Metropolitan Area, and City Beautiful Movement. And and, uh, City Beautiful could also encourage uh, business investments and commercial uh, uh, establishments. And the Daniel Burnham Plan, his inspiration was Paris and Venice. Paris, wide boulevards, lots of open spaces, and rivers and Pasig River. And the esteros of Manila, the canals of Venice. And Manila Bay, the Bay of Naples. So we were following that plan until the war. Mm. And post-war Philippines, we copied erroneously the wrong model. Los Angeles, which is devoted for the car. Maybe because of post-war reconstruction, the consultants and experts are from, from the US and from Japan. And they were selling cars to us. So before the war, we have a very efficient uh, railway, like the Trambia, connecting, let's say, Skolta and Rockwell and railways up to La Union and up to the Bicol region.
0: So some of big business also came in in after the war. Yeah, after the war.
1: Because there was a
0: time when historians uh, would even describe the Philippines before the war, before the Japanese came, as the Paris of Asia because of the models that you mentioned.
1: That's right. The Paris of Asia or the Pearl of the Orient Seas. So that was uh, Manila then, and and after the war, the Roma models came up, like Los Angeles, uh, which is car oriented, not public transit or pedestrian oriented.
0: So we become car centric. Car
1: centric instead of public transit and
0: pedestrianization. So looking back, obviously this was a bad idea.
1: It's a bad idea, and also the the Burnham plan. It was more inclusive and democratic. No solid walls. Everybody's included in the plan, and and uh, p- public health sanitation, public schools, uh, the civic centers uh, were established. Now, the, the metro plan the in 1976. Yeah, metro plan. Did met- that try to go back to that original plan? Yeah, to go back to the original mm-hmm. plan, uh, city beautiful and city efficient efficient in terms of transportation, traffic, land use, and urban development, and public services and utilities. So we went back city beautiful plus city efficient. And in that uh, World Bank funded Metro Manila transport land use development planning project, I was fortunate enough to have been appointed as team leader and senior planner. It was one of the best metro plans in the world, and I think for that reason, I was invited to help plan Dubai right after metro plan. And in that metro plan, we have put forward more than 100 recommendations, like uh, light rail transit. We were the ones who proposed that. We should have had completed eight lines by 1992. Mm -hmm. Today, we only have three lines. And then uh, previous to that, 1971, the subway system was proposed. It's only now under Duterte administration, the Build, 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 they're doing the subway. And the American Corps of Engineers, 1945, before we became a republic, proposed 10 major roads and 6 circumferential roads. Only s- now that 6 circumferential road number 6 is being built on. So we're about more than four decades behind the implementation of previous planning initiatives. So more than four decades. More now, than four decades. Actually,
0: yeah. how much of that
1: master plan uh, was actually implemented? Uh, very, very few, because we did not just uh, address traffic transportation. Housing, garbage, water supply, uh, disaster preparedness, were all put forward in that plan. And
0: w- what were the misgivings that were floated at the time that Metro plan was was proposed? Was it a matter of cost? I Primarily? think it, it,
1: uh, infrastructure is not a priority, and, and, and analysis paralysis, bureaucratic red tape, and lack of continuity and in institutional memory. Because Some administrations, when they come into power, they ignore... Previous planning in initiatives, the previous administration.
0: But but what triggered that metro plan? You said that was funded by the World Bank. Yeah, but was was that also the product of an initiative by the government?
1: Yeah, it was uh, led by uh, the Planning and Project Development Office in the Department of Public Works, Transportation, and Communications, under David Kunsunhi, and and because at that time there is already emerging traffic problems, emerging. Uh, flood, uh, flood problems and other uh, urban ills of Metro Manila. So to be fair, there was foresight. There was
0: foresight. And there was an actual plan that was there's presented. There an actual plan.
1: And the government spent for it, and, and the World Bank also spent for it. We were about 80 staffers with 20 foreign experts. And the foreign experts with us uh, helped plan uh, uh, the urban development and renewal of London and planning of Hong Kong Singapore and Kuala Lumpur so th- the Metro plan Manila was as good as the plans for Hong Kong Singapore and 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 uh, Kuala Lumpur and the public transportation very efficient public transportation of London mm-hmm. so there so were the inputs and we were we were about I think 60 Filipinos and 20 international experts now looking
0: back so you had this plan in 1976 now now we have a lot of projects uh, under this administration, is it still possible to to go back or to somehow revive that plan, yeah, yeah. given the existing structures and problems that we have now?
1: I, I think we, uh, we should revisit, review, and update, because different uh, the population now is much more than 1976, but the principles of the plan and uh, the models are still, uh, still valid up to date. Like several, like flood control, like the Parañaque Spillway was never built. It was also proposed in the 70s, mm. and, and public transit uh, and so on, and addressing housing. Like right now, our job centers, like the Makati Central Business District, uh, Fort Bonifacio and Ortigas, there's a big imbalance between jobs and housing. Like Manila, Centr- uh, Makati Central Business District, uh, the daytime population is 11 times the nighttime population. So the employees of Makati, even the executives of Makati, cannot afford the housing in Makati.
0: They live elsewhere.
1: They live elsewhere, three to five uh, hours away from their place of work. Planning is balanced. You should balance between jobs and housing, transportation and land use, and so on. In Metro Manila, uh, low-density gated communities and gated military camps, and even some gated cemeteries. Okay, let's, expa-
0: let, let's explain that reality or even that problem. Mm-hmm. Low-density gated communities. You have big spaces, yeah. gated, but very few people there.
1: Yes, and, and nowhere earths in the more progressive cities in the world you have gated uh, communities and gated military camps and gated cemeteries inside the business district or adjacent to the business mm-hmm. district because you limit access like, you compare Makati and Manhattan. In Manhattan, there are access roads every 70 meters or 210 feet. So around the business district of Makati, Fort Bendivace and Ortigas, you have gated communities. So you have to go around mm-hmm. the long walls of these gated communities. Now how do you solve this problem? You uh, open them? After 1973, OPEC oil crisis, even Los Angeles, they opened their gated communities. And Los Angeles was the model of urban development in in Metro Manila. In Metro Manila. Yeah, but OPEC, all crisis, 1973, all progressive cities in the world opened up their gated communities, more inclusive. Of course, there are CCTV cameras for security. And there are also open gated communities here. Like in Bel Air, Orbit Street was Mm -hmm. opened by the local government of Makati. Then Interconnect, J.P. Rizal, and Jupiter Street. When we master plan Rockwell, by design, Rockwell Drive and the roads of uh, Rockwell are open to the public. Uh, I think for about twenty hours a day, they close it down at midnight to about four or five o'clock, so just so to remind the public that those are private roads. Mm. But it's being shared with the public. So somehow that particular proposal can be achieved right away. It can be achieved right away if the the. Homeowners of the gated communities and uh, the military camps would allow it. But I, I've been saying that maybe before government opened up the gated communities, they should the government should be the exemplar, not the exempted. <laughs> so open up the government lands like military and police camps and other government uh, centers that they should share their roads.
0: Now, is it, is it still possible for us to move away from this uh, car-centric mentality in Metro Manila and go back to the idea of an efficient public transport system?
1: It's still possible, uh, but uh, two colonial baggages that we inherited. During Spanish times, intramuros for the Ilustrados and the Principalia, ex- inside the walls. Extramuros outside the walls for, were for the Indios, the Peasants, and the sanglays. That was uh, That's what's not done anymore under the Daniel Burnham Plan. Mm. Exclusive uh, democratic spaces and uh, gated communities of car-oriented cities like Los Angeles we adopted it after the wa- after the war and and we're talking now about inclusive development what's happening now is still discriminatory zoning mm-hmm. there's a social boundaries between income classes and and the 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 urban planning uh, models now cities should be inclusive uh, inclusive development, inclusionary zoning, and we should integrate more compact devel- urban development, like integrating our cities should be environment friendly, cities, communities, and buildings that are livable, uh, sustainable, resilient, safer, walkable, uh, bikeable, better lighted, cross generational, and, and mixed income that would integrate places to live, work, mm. shop, dine, learn, and worship with healthcare and wellness centers, with some 24-hour cycle activity centers. This is the planning of 21st century. We're still in the past centuries.
0: In the past century. You Uh, mentioned we're about 40 years behind?
1: 40 years behind in infrastructure, even our planning models is also obsolete.
0: But but sometimes they say it's it's a chicken and egg situation. You want uh, people to move away from cars, but the argument is that we would like to take public transport but there's no efficient public transport yeah. system in Metro Manila. So we stick that, to that, our cars. That's
1: right. We could start with uh, what with we've been proposing. Pedestrian elevated walkways and maybe even bicycle lanes, pedestrian elevated walkways, pedestrian bridges and bicycle bridges across Pasig River, San Juan River, and, and Marikina River, and all the waterways. Edsa Corridor was designed for 60 kilometers per hour. Now I'm told the average is 11 kilometers per hour. Sometimes when from Makati, Crescent City, my average speed is 5 kilometers per hour. And it's it's Friday, payday, and it's raining 2 kilometers per hour. It's faster to walk. And we design also healthy communities, healthy cities for healthy people. We must walk at least 10,000 steps a day or about 7 kilometers. In other countries in the world, I can walk up to 20 kilometers a day. A day, in Makati, I could walk only two, less than two kilometers a day.
0: But you also have to
1: contend with pollution. Pollution, sidewalks, sidewalks are not interesting, uh, interesting to walk by, and you are sometimes blank walls. Elsewhere in the world, no more solid walls. So there's so much to learn about uh, the uglification of our metropolis. <laughs> and. About cars, uh, car ownership used to be the privilege of the few. Now it's the uh, expectation of the majority. And you're right because there's no model split. There's no other transport mode that's safe, convenient, reliable, on time, and so on. And, and an indicator also of the first world cities, first world countries, is when the leaders of industry, business, and government walk or bicycle to work or take the public transit
0: here it's different it seems like uh, you would have to challenge public officials to take public transport for them to feel what the ordinary filipino is experiencing daily
1: yeah, yes like the, p- the prime ministers leaders of japan they take the public transit the scandinavian uh, countries prime ministers they bicycle to work mm-hmm. in germany where they produce the the best cars in the world their downtown centers no cars, only public transit, uh, pedestrians, and bicycles.
0: What would be an immediate solution to that problem? Let's say, how to convince, as a start, people to uh, pick public transport instead of uh, private
1: cars? We we really have to, to aggressively develop uh, public transport that are unscheduled, safe, convenient, and so on. Like, I used to rent a car when I go to Dubai that the lrt's or the trains of dubai metro there are differential pricing the first couch is gold class business class and first class the second couch is for women and children and the rest is for everybody else and now when i go to dubai i take public transit and walk because even their sidewalks are very well landscaped and wide no open manholes and so on and i may have said also before that uh, only 2% of us Filipinos are car owners. 2%? 2 2%. Percent. 2 percent. And all of us Filipinos are pedestrians. Once you leave your car, you're a pedestrian. And we should make our sidewalks uh, connected, not broken, and open manholes. And the beside the sidewalk should not be solid walls where you write, do not urinate here, <laughs> no garbage here. It should be interesting enough so people can walk. And also, I studied also among the many courses I took up in Harvard, graduate sco- school of design, that criminals are not scared of high walls. They can throw a grenade, no witnesses. That's like what happened in, in Marawi. You can have a cebu factory, uh, commit uh, criminality inside the walls, no witnesses. Criminals are scared of windows because behind the window is a potential witness. Criminals are scared when there are more eyes in the public run so we're the not do- we're not doing it right we're not doing right uh, so aside from creating social boundaries we put up walls now after 1998 uh, studies show that there are more high crimes in gated communities and solid walls but the reality is that we have these existing structures now how do we tear them down yeah well uh, you can you can actually put plant hedges. You can have a hidden barbed wire, uh, in, uh, we covered with uh, with, uh, with Buenvilla and put CCTV cameras. It's it's safer. Yeah, I, I mean, we
0: have this, uh, these structures at at present. Of course, what you're talking about is what should be done.
1: Yeah, I bought a house in Bel Air, with high walls and gates. I removed them. Donated it to to Smoky Mountain. And I never had any criminality or robbers entering our house. Because across the uh, street, people can see the frontings of our house. So it's, it's a wrong notion that high walls will secure you.
0: Now here, uh, is traffic, as messy as it is, a simply an indication of a much bigger problem that we have in Metro Manila?
1: Yes, it's, uh, traffic is just one symptom or one, one problem. Traffic, transportation, housing. Because affordable housing should be close to or within walkable distance from the places of work, but because of our exclusionary zoning, the housing stocks in our business districts are so priced out the ordinary Filipino.
0: You're you're talking a lot a lot of sense when it comes to planning the the, the city, right? Now I'd like to ask you about this 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 difference between an architect and an urban planner? Yeah. Because sometimes we hear a lot of architects talk about what should be done, but w- what exactly is the difference?
1: It's uh, architecture is the art and science of buildings. Urban planning is more interdisciplinary. It's a different course and profession. Urban planning has includes architecture, engineering, uh, the social political aspects of planning, the business aspect of planning, includes the what's under the road, utilities, the circulation, I think every time, everything outside the window is uh, urban design, urban planning, and it's a platform to put together, mm-hmm. ar- vertical architecture and engineering.
0: I, in Metro Manila, what would be the more appropriate approach? Would it be more about renewal, and we just focus on developing other areas outside of Metro Manila because of the uh, problem of congestion that
1: we are experiencing now? It's both. Uh, like, uh, also we there was uh, a Manila Bay Region strategic plan also in the 70s, funded by the United Nations, UNDP, and a national framework plan funded also the by the United Nations with the PPDO of the Department of Public Works Transportation Communications at that time. We cannot address the problems Metro Manila without developing the regions, the rest of the country. And in year 2000, again, I was in Harvard at that time, uh, Harvard study showed that Metro Manila is the fastest growing metropolis in the world. Year 2000, 60 persons per hour in migrate became ma- become ma- migrants of Metro Manila. 60 persons per hour. Delhi was only 47 persons per hour. London, Paris, New York, if I remember it right, from two to five persons per hour. Moscow was neg- negative two per hour. It must be more now. So we had to... Because that
0: was uh, nearly 20 years ago. Yeah.
1: And we have to identify urban growth centers, or, uh, emerging metropolitan areas, as counter-magnets to Metro Manila to make them attractive as well so people don't move to Metro Manila. And fortunately, we ha- we won and been appointed to do the Pampanga Megalopolis for metropolitan areas in Pampanga, Clark, Metro Davao, and other emerging... Uh, urban growth centers outside Metro Manila as counter-magnets to the attractiveness of Metro Manila. Like the national government offices, there's 60 hectares available for government offices in the Clark, New Green City. 60 hectares allocated for government offices.
0: Would it, would it be wise now to move uh, certain government offices out of Metro Manila?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it should be, not just a wish list. Like Maybe the executive branches of government the legislative and the judiciary. Let's move out of Metro Manila, you, remo- you relocate these offices, you would reduce population and traffic, uh, two million people, just removing these national government agencies. Because all of these Korean military camps, they may have been the best land use in the right place at the right time. In 1946, after the war, today they are the wrong land use at the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: So are you in favor of moving the Philippine capital?
1: Definitely. And like Jakarta is moving at the national capital uh, far away from it. Kuala Lumpur they did it for Putrajaya, National Government Center. Australia, Canberra, out of Sydney. Uh, US, uh, Washington DC. And Brazil, Brasilia outside of Sao Paulo.
0: I, in our case, what would be a, uh, a good alternative?
1: Yeah. Available now is the 60 hectares in uh, New Clark Green City, and maybe there should be a site selection where you put all the government agencies and maybe the embassies around them. And like Malakanyang, if you relocate the Office of the President, maybe you can open up Menjola across Pasig River, and we can continue our master plan for Pasig River, a continuous promenade for pedestrians and bicycles, the whole length of EDSA, the whole lake of Pasig River the uh, Manila Bay front and the Laguna Lake front so it can it can uh, integrate our fragmented metropolis
0: S- and yeah. what uh, are we supposed to do with the existing palace Malacanang or the complex itself
1: Yeah, because uh, we're supposed to have 10 meters setback from the river Malacanang has no setback maybe what can be done is maybe move back the walls but retain the columns so it's an arcaded walkways. It has been done in many riverfronts elsewhere in the world.
0: But uh, move the power center out of Metro Manila. Met Metro Manila. So build the new Malacanang.
1: New Malacanang. You don't have to call it Malacanang, new, new, new uh, presidential office. And Malacanang could become, I think the president saying it also when, when he became president, Malacanang should be a people's park and open up the Menjola area even the universities improve accessibility also actually
0: the situation in the in malacañang is quite weird you have the presidential palace you have the
1: complex and you have houses inside houses and uni- and schools and colleges and even informal settlers informal settlers in fact people tell me it's not secure and you have the military military comes within metropolis so it's so say it's easy to do a coup attempt <laughs> and no escape route
0: so what would be a, a, a good uh, place or spot new area for the presidential office?
1: I think one now is Clark, uh, Green City. The other one, maybe there should be a site selection. For me, ideally, is somewhere in the midway between Manila Bay and Pacific Ocean. Because? On top. So you can see both. You can have both the sunrise and the sunset. And even fung shui experts tell me Malakanyang is not good fung shui the lo- where it is now, the office of the president.
0: And of course, you also have to think about
1: Security. Security. And, and uh, also, the, the all these government lands, if they re- relocate them, including the military camps, you could have urban land, and maybe 30% could be affordable housing. Because the poor, and even the middle class, have been priced out of the urban land of Metro Manila. Now, the,
0: the other development areas that you mentioned, um, how soon before we could feel certain level of relief as far as Metro Manila is concerned that people would start moving away from Metro Manila and realize that there are other if not better opportunities outside of Metro Manila. There
1: are, like uh, you go to Clark now, a better quality of life in Clark. And then all this uh, new development, it should not be dormitory towns where people sleep, then they go back to Makati to work or Metro Manila. The Metro Plan Manila it, was, it covered 40,000 cities, not just the seventeen towns and municipalities. The Manila Bay Region strategic plan included Calabarzon and Central Luzon.
0: Now, compared to other Southeast Asian countries, um, how does Metro Manila fare? Which particular city comes close to Metro Manila in terms of the dire situation that we are now?
1: Maybe 10, 15 years ago, uh, uh, Bangkok and Jakarta. But they've done uh, uh, forward-looking planning and development inti- initiatives though they have been addressing more effectively their urban ills within their capital cities. And, and again, going back to transportation modes, we have been proposing a long time ago also, aside from the pedestrian bridges, elevated walkways, water ferries, water transport. So around Laguna Lake, we could have water transport uh, Pasig River, Manila Bay. And in fact, we did the planning also Pampanga if you read Pasig River and Pampanga River it would only take 35 minutes to Pampanga on a fast boat mm. Mm.
0: something that we also have in other uh, islands in the Philippines yeah, the, yeah. Fast
1: the fast craft fast and we are uh, we are uh, archipelago so uh, uh, we should have land transport, water transport air transport and and the traffic is not just in the land transport where I think it was estimated we lose, just for Metro Manila 3.5 billion pesos a day
0: lost opportunities lost
1: opportunities then for the commuters going to work 9 hours to 15 hours is taken out of your life if you have a 40 years of economic life that's just like you're in prison for 9 years to 15 years the only, difference is,
0: that the only difference is that you're stuck in traffic
1: yeah, you're <laughs> stuck in traffic and, and uh, so many things that could be done to really improve quality of life in Metro Manila. All kinds of pollution are here. Air pollution, land transportation, noise pollution, visual pollution as well, and, and uh, wa- water pollution and so on. And the traffic is not just the land traffic. Also the ports of Manila. I, I was told the waiting time, the dwell time, the waiting time of ships, Uh, Calling at port, eight days. It's faster to go to Singapore or Taiwan or Hong Kong instead of waiting eight days, waiting to unload. So is Metro Manila a hopeless case? I'm still cautiously optimistic because you can do urban renewal, urban development, uh, business improvement districts. In the 70s, Manhattan was also a run-down city. But I think it was Mayor Giuliano who introduced business improvement districts. So there's a partnership between the city and the businesses. Like you improve your own frontage, you clean it up, you secure it. Then there was uh, improvement of business. It can be done in Metro Manila, especially Manila.
0: But I think the problem here in Metro Manila is the absence of uh, continuity.
1: Yeah, the whole Philippines, the continuity. So Mm -hmm.
0: it's a political problem also. You have politicians refusing to continue good projects by their predecessors yeah. you talk about a master plan which of course would require so many years to implement
1: Yeah, uh, urban planning master planning it should be immediate action short term medium term long term and visionary we planned Dubai in the 70s for the next 50 years but they kept updating it renewing it and in Metro Manila in the Philippines maybe because of the three year elections and six years elections it's short term and opportunistic it's not long term and visionary. In other places in the world, we even plan four generations or 100 years. There was one client we have in another city, 1,000 years, 40 generations. Here, The, p- the plan was the for 1,000 yeah. years. The design of the architecture of a university, uh, hospital, and three schools. Uh, in Kathmandu, Nepal, after a big earthquake, we were appointed by Chuchi Organization, the Buddhist International Organization to plan these buildings to last 40 generations or 1,000 years.
0: If we are to draft another or a new master plan for Metro Manila today, how many years should it cover?
1: I think it should cover at least two generations, 50 years. Ideally, four generations, 100 years. Because even our, we have so many stupid, no, not stupid, obsolete laws (laughs) that make us less globally competitive. Like what laws? Like the um, 60-40. 60% 60% mm-hmm. for Filipinos, 40% for foreigners. Even if you put together all the monies of the taipans and tycoons, will never make it to the first world. And that 60% uh, Filipino ownership, there are so many dummies mm-hmm. in corporations. And so uh, that's one that's restriction
0: that needs to be relaxed. Yeah,
1: number two is uh, land ownership. Uh, elsewhere in the world, I mean, even smaller countries, they're allowed to own land. And and uh, uh, we could if you cannot allow foreigners to own land, at least lengthen the leasehold instead of the like fifty years plus twenty five years in Clark or Subic. In elsewhere in the world, like in Dublin, Ireland, the Guinness Brewery, their leasehold is one thousand years, and Guinness is helping Dublin with their open spaces and a lot of scholarship in their universities.
0: <laughs> so sometimes it's, uh, it, it frustrates you when you look at other models, other cities. Yeah. Uh, if, you th- if you compare the situation that we have now in Metro Manila. Yeah. Y- you mentioned Jakarta and, and Bangkok. Of course, they're also known for their horrendous traffic.
1: Yeah, before, but they are alleviating the traffic now, the situation of the traffic. And also in Singapore, 30, years below, uh, 30 meters below ground is public domain. So they can do an underground city or subways. Here in our country, I think you can claim ownership up to the center of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> here we also hear certain <laughs> local officials
0: or governments <laughs> saying that they have all these big plans for their cities, at least during their incumbency. Mm. Because at most, with the way politics is run here in the Philippines, local governments, if you're lucky, you would be serving for at least n- for a maximum of nine years because of the term limits, right? Mm, Assuming that you do not intend to build any dynasty, but that is your window of opportunity to make uh, concrete changes in your areas. But will these incremental plans actually work if you are to uh, attempt earnestly uh, to solve the problem in Metro Manila? Because you may have plans for San Juan, Taguig, Valenzuela, Caloocan, but there has to be some sort of uh, rhyme or reason or interconnectivity among these areas.
1: Our plans for, let's say, Metro Davao, eight LGUs, we put forward what's to be done in the next 100 day, uh, days, the next three to six years, the next uh, 15 years, the next 25 years, and visionary, mm-hmm. the next 100 years. And it's, it's easier to work in Metro Plan Davao, funded by the Mindanao Development Authority, because they are like one political party. So it's easy to talk to eight mayors. And there was public consultation with stakeholders. The businessmen, the landowners, the big associations, uh, the rich and the poor were included in the public consultation. And all our planning initiatives, we do that. There's public consultation. So there's ownership of the plan, not just owned by, authored by Palo Fox, but everybody's included. So like when we did the Petro Princess plan under Mayor Hagedorn, even the Tricycle driver, to the uh, bantay dagat, bantay bundok, they were part of the planning. So there's ownership
0: and there's inclusivity.
1: Inclusivity and maybe each locality LGU, maybe should have a development foundation, so that even if there are chains of uh, leadership, there's continuity with the private sector involved. Uh, um
0: Okay, well, that was a very interesting uh, discussion. Uh, so many plans, so many frustrations coming from uh, from from you, who has all this int- institutional memory about what was the uh, what the master plan was all about at that time. Well, thank you very much, uh, architect uh, Filino Palafox for joining us on this podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you, sir, and and I think there should be some optimism also, if I may. Like uh, the Philippines is number one in the world in marine biodiversity. We're number one in the world in call centers. We're now number one in sailor, seamen. Number two in geothermal energy. Number two now in BPOs, the third longest coastline in the world. Other countries go to war because they don't have a coastline. Or Dubai did the Palm Islands, so have more coastline. We're number four in the world in shipbuilding and gold reserves. Number five in all other mineral resources. And number 12 in human resources. So we should be in the top 20 economies of the world.
0: And it's all up to us to it's make all that up happen. To us.
1: Maybe we look back uh, look back, back 75 years and look forward the next 75 years.
0: Architect Filino Palafox, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you.
0: And that's it for this week's podcast. Catch us again next week for another episode of the ANC Matters of Fact Podcast.